Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. For up-to-date information and ways to get involved, please visit us at classiccity.org. Oh, what a joy to be with you this morning. Um, very excited to share what the Lord's put on my heart. You know, I'm going to say the same that Alan and Daniel and several others say that when Lee asked you to speak and he says, whatever you want to speak on, and you go, okay, all right, that really helped me. Thank you so much. But really, it is a joy, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to go to the Lord and say, okay, what would you have me share? As Alan said just a few weeks ago, he said, you know, I'm just going to preach on what God's putting on my heart what's going on in my life right now. And so I, with the intent of knowing that it's Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day, women, love you all and so appreciative of you all. Um, Don't want to avoid Mother's Day, but I also um, don't want to reiterate the messages that have been preached over and over on the mother heart of God. Even though it's a beautiful sermon, I want to tie that in with what the Lord's kind of the season for me. There's a privilege and an honor um, of meeting and leading people to Christ. And this has been a season that's been really special for me. There's been several gals who have not only, I've not only been able to share the gospel with them, they were, you know, it was just the right time. They were very ripe to get saved. But I was able to meet them during that season in their lives when they weren't saved yet. And then share the gospel with them and walk through them through things and then see them get saved. And now pour my life into them. Uh, Another thing, and I brought Kleenex because I think I might cry over it. I hope I don't, but I am sappy on this one. But another, there's so many salvations and testimonies of people getting saved this season. One of our dear friends, her name is Suzanne. She's one of my closest friends from college days and young adult days. And her husband, Yoshi Kasahara, um, they got a phone call from their, this is where I might start, you know, getting a little choked, got a phone call that uh, Yoshi, who is from Japan, his dad was uh, in dire situation with his health and was going to die. And they, bless the, you know, thank the Lord, they were able to get on a plane and fly to Japan. When they got there, they had five to six days that they had to quarantine. They couldn't even be with their, you know, father, father-in-law and family, but they knew God had called them to go. And I hope they'll get to share the story more, but long story made short, a bunch of us who were interceding and praying with them for Mr. Kasahara, he got saved this week. And they had 24 hours with him, 24 hours. And they had been praying for him and sharing with him over the years, but he was closed to the gospel. And let me tell you something. He sent, all we got was a short, I'm looking at Allison because we're on that same link there, but we got a, she calls us the sisters. And we got a short text that said, There's a lot to share. There's a lot that led up to this moment. But just know that when we get to heaven, Yoshi's dad, 
Mr. Taki, that's his nickname, will be there. And he said to tell you, thank you. And so what a joy to see people coming to Christ. Several other stories that we've known personally have come to Christ. And so the other thing that's in our midst is Lee's been preaching all year long on discipleship. He's been preaching all year long on what does our mission statement is and what does it mean to be a disciple. Along with that, we've had some international students from the ISM. I've gotten the pleasure of meeting one of these sweet girls from Russia, Evgenia, and they have been ministering to her all year long, and she got saved, and she's not the only one. So this is this exciting season. So this is what's on my heart. And this is what I'm going to attempt to draw together Mother's Day, the mother heart of God, along with discipleship and being a nurturer in the lives of those that God's put in our lives. So if you would pray with me really quickly and we'll go into it. Jesus, thank you for these lives that are just, um, we couldn't be more grateful, Lord, to see Men and women, boys and girls, coming to you, Christ Jesus. And we know we hear so many negative things, and we're experiencing a lot of negativity and a lot of things that are realistically not good. But you are on the move, and you are bringing all people to yourself. Just like the scriptures that Lee preached, or not preached, that he spoke, Lord, you are bringing souls to yourself. So I pray that this message would not be, not be heavy, but it also would be poignant for this season. And I pray that it would minister to each soul, each one of us, as you see fit, Holy Spirit. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I am a cornball and I read poems. Lee had said he was reminding me of the leaders of the ministry that we were a part of in college ministry. And he said, oh, you just really didn't like hearing the wife preach a lot because she read lists and she quoted poems. And I was like, well, here we go. Here we go. So a mother's love. There are times when only a mother's love can understand our tears, can soothe our disappointments, and calm all of our fears. There are times when only a mother's love can share the joy that we feel, when something we've dreamed about quite suddenly is real. And there are times when only a mother's faith can help us on life's way and inspire in us the confidence we need from day to day, from a mother's heart and a mother's faith, and a mother's steadfast love were fashioned by the angels and sent from God above. When we read that, we think of the ideal, don't we? But unfortunately, we know that there are many examples of mothers um, or mother figures or parents or parent figures that aren't good. And it's depicted a lot in movies and in stories and in books. Disney, Tangled. Anybody seen Tangled? Okay. The Gothel sings her heart out to the show-stopping song, Mother Knows Best. And the song spins the tale of how she knows exactly what's best for her little captive daughter. But Gothel is a picturesque representation of selfishness because it runs rampant in this sinful world. 
and she's about as ungodly as it comes in the, in the tale. It's fascinating that our culture strives for the very things that made Mother Gothel disgusting, a selfish pursuit of self. Self is perpetuated in our world, and it's a definition oftentimes of what a good parent or what a good mother is because we're taught that we need self-care, we need self-help, we need self-esteem, we need self to be self-sufficient, we need to be self-confident, we need self-concept in our lives, we need self-determination. And I am not bashing being healthy emotionally and mentally, but what if we put God in place of self there? God care, God help, God esteem, etc. We have a preoccupation with ourselves, and it is often destroying our homes, destroying our churches, destroying discipleship. Often, we're so busy building ourselves up or thinking about ourselves or promoting ourselves or building our careers or engaging in self-care or creating a beautiful home on the outside or any number of high callings that we forget that our greatest call as believers is to pursue God and to give glory to him. Bringing glory to someone besides ourselves that's in direct conflict with the world's determination to pursue the best version of ourselves. And yet God calls us to bring glory to him through every part of our lives. And that includes spiritual parenting and nurturing others. In 1928, W.L. Caldwell, anybody heard of him? <laughs> well, I hadn't either. But he preached a sermon to mothers in 1928, pretty famous apparently. But he made a great claim that after Jesus, the mother was the greatest gift to mankind. He said, well may we pause to pay honor to her who, after Jesus Christ, is God's best gift to men. Mother, it was she who shared her life with us when as yet our members were unformed, into the valley of the shadow she walked that we might have the light of life. The title mother, he goes on to say, suggests Christian service. The unselfish devotion of motherhood to children is the truest illustration of the Christian ideal of service. Women of today, often shirking motherhood, tell of what great they will do. This is what he said in 1928, y'all. Of what great they will do for the world, but no achievement is greater than the simple, unostentatious ministries of motherhood, of parenting, bravely born, boring the, the burdens laid before them. How courageously they have met every deprivation and every pain. They are the types of Christian ministers and martyrs we ought to want to be. Luther, Spurgeon, John Wesley, and Charles Wesley, Billy Graham, so many others attribute their success to their mothers and often their fathers. One great theologian said, above all, her model has led me to reverence, honor, and to joyfully and joyously obey the Lord Jesus, the supreme love of my life. I long to be attentive to him, to serve him, to fulfill his wishes, to be by his side and to let others know of my deep admiration of him. These longings, they were planted in my heart from the heart of my mother. 
Parenting is then a high calling and a high privilege, but also it's an unimaginable responsibility. Caldwell went on to say that no nation is greater than its mothers and its fathers. Our influence as nurturers is both great, but it's also a great honor. We don't have a list of bullet bullets of what a good mother is. We have great examples in the Bible. I don't need to list them all. I couldn't list them all, but some of which are Sarah and Hagar, Rebecca, Jochebed, Hannah, Naomi, Elizabeth, Mary. Just like Paul in Hebrews 11, we could go on and on and on with heroes and heroines of the faith. The list would be so long we couldn't even repeat them. But God gave us many examples. And the meaning of the word mother, really briefly, it means it's from the first Hebrew word, M, mother, in scriptures, which means the first or strong water giver. So we know that a child grows and develops in the womb, where there's water, and in that womb, there's proteins, there's carbohydrates, there's everything that you need to nurture and develop you, but that's where it, get, that's where it comes from. So as in Genesis 3.20, it says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of the living. Adam was the first man, Eve, his wife, was the first woman, and thus Eve is the mother of the living. This goes deeper, though, than the physical realm. In Genesis 3.20, there's no actual distinction between a mother and a non-mother. We are all made to nurture life in the spiritual realm. Not only in our bodies do we nurture, but nurturing is an instinct, and it's a behavior as well. So our inspiration scripture in Isaiah 49, 15 through 19 that Lee shared is so powerful. And I was just thinking about it. It's, it's so poetic. I was talking to Lee this morning. We were on a little walk and it was a little chilly this morning too, my dad, but it was brisk and it was great. But I was saying, you know, if somebody says they don't prefer poetry, they might not prefer the Old Testament, because it's so beautifully poetic. With that poetic set of scriptures, the Lord goes on, and we'll briefly go over those, but if we could pull those up again, pull it up again so you can refer to it, Isaiah 49, 15 through 19. In verse 15, it's the Lord's affection for his people is so great, his devotion is that he explains of a nursing child. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion? This picture of a mother with a baby in her arms, feeding that baby, being soothed and comforted by the gentle cooing and the light caresses. This is a beautiful picture of Christ, of our Heavenly Father, whose gentleness and his nurturing calms our every fear and provides generously and willingly for our every need. Much, again, of today's parental love does not depict this, a nurture, devotedness. But this is what we're called to do. Every mother we know, I am one, is flawed. And yet, the Lord never forsakes us. 
He never leaves us. He never disappoints. His generous grace, his great mercies are there for us all for all time and throughout eternity. If for nine months a mother, as imperfect as we can be, can protect the tiny little form growing in her womb, if she can suffer the agonies of labor and childbirth, and then draw this tiny little little being to herself, how much more our Heavenly Father. He is the one who formed us in secret in our mother's womb. And it's our gracious Savior who suffered agonies and labored in love on the cross for us to redeem us from our sins and to make us his bride. It was his holy love, his spirit who wooed, who challenged us, who convicts us, who brought us to life into our fallen frames. He birthed us into God's family. He's enlightened us. Amen? Amen. So no matter what difficulties you or I are experiencing, we can take heart in these truths. These are real. There is nothing in heaven nor on earth or under the earth that can separate you and me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing will ever cause the Lord to forget us. In verse 16, he says, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. This is Jesus. His, the nails in his hand, the scars in his hand depict his love for us. He inscribes us on his hands. He says, your walls are continually before me. You know, a city, especially in those days when this scripture was written, a wall protected the city. God is our protector. He's always mindful of the conditions that we're in. Verse 17 says, for your waste and your desolate places will even now be too small for the inhabitants. That is a powerful promise from our God. Your sons shall make haste. You'll surely clothe yourselves with them as an ornament. You know, we do a, we've been to a lot of weddings. We're going to be at a lot more weddings. You see a bride, and she is preparing herself, and she is adorned and beautiful. She's proud, and she's blessed to wear that. That's what he says. Your inheritance are others coming to me. He will draw many to himself. How beautiful is God's word and his illustration. But how do we respond to this beautiful, picturesque set of scriptures? How has he called you and me to participate in his purposes in this regard? We're going to look at some scriptures that talk about this very thing. So bear with me. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8 having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. 2 Timothy 1, 4 through 5. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, 
which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded, now lives in you also. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to preach patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they will know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snares of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, this is the one that most people know, if not everybody. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. Philippians 4, 9. The things that you've learned, the things that you've received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. God loves nurturing, and he calls us to be nurturers, which I would say, disciplers. So our message scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 13. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture out here, but scripture's good. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 13. Instead, we were like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children. So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Just read that scripture. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You're witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a, hu as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Here we are. And in ESV, I just want to point out, it's the word gentle among you was like young children, just as a nursing mother cherishes. So there's gentleness, nurture, cherish. This verse, these verses share with us how we too can take from Isaiah how God cares for us and nurtures us and holds us to his bosom, we are not only privileged to do the same, we're called to do the same. We're to care for, we're to be gentle. The gospel is more concerned about welfare than about asserting what is right. In their immaturity in Christ, those Thessalonians in those scriptures, they needed warm care. They needed nurturing. They needed to know that and to see it. The gospel team 
in these verses, the disciples, they showed tenderness towards the Thessalonians. They accommodated themselves to the culture and the spiritual maturity level of the people who God called them to minister to. We reach people by being approachable. The sacrifices that Paul and these disciples endured for the sake of ministry was not a burden because of what? Because of their love, because of their affection, because they cherished those God had put in their lives. People, you know, you've heard this many times, people don't care about what you know. They want to know that you care. We must, in the same way that a mother carries and walks through her pregnancy or prepares for taking care of that child and how she labors and delivers and cares for the child out of the womb, we must do the same. And so we must be prepared in this way to be interrupted to be impeded, inconvenienced, intruded upon. Any mother or father or babysitter ever been intruded upon in the restroom? Yeah, that happens. Being physically, mentally, emotionally, socially taxed, enduring hardship, spiritual warfare, sleep deprivation. These are very real things, but you know what? They are so worth it. Because we're made in Christ's image to bear good fruit, to reproduce, to make disciples in his way, gently and in a nurturing way, sacrificing without concern for self, loving unconditionally, living unoffended, serving others. Philippians 4 or 5 says, let your gentleness be made known to all men because the Lord is at hand. So we go on to the nurturing, the cherishing. You know, the word cherish primarily means heart, to soften the heart. And it came to mean to keep warm, like birds covering their young with feathers that Deuteronomy talks about in chapter 22. Cherishing metaphorically came to mean not only cherish with tender love, but to foster with tender care. In these passages, the care of the saints at Thessalonica by the gospel team, they were about the business of fostering the saints. The team lavished on this church the same tender, affectionate care as a nursing mother does for their own children. We are to be his witnesses. Like fathers, it says, were to protect, teach, be an example. We're to encourage, we're to comfort, we're to urge others to live lives worthy of God who calls us into his kingdom, into his glory. The disciplers, the nurturers, they were exhorting, they were encouraging, and they were imploring others to live lives worthy of God's calling into the kingdom. We, as those who have the privilege and the honor to disciple, to nurture, to foster, we should care for the younger Christians with tenderness and with nurturing. We should care for them like a mother cares for her own child and a father deals 
with his own children. The definition of nurture has a lot of things to say, but in Webster's 1828 dictionary, to nurture means to nourish, to feed, to cause to grow, to promote growth, to educate, to bring or train up, to instruct, to support, to supply the means of support and increase, to encourage and cherish and comfort. Missional parenting, discipleship, is a call to nurture. And the ministry of glorifying God through nurturing other hearts of our children and our spiritual children and those that he places in our spheres and in our lives is a joy, it's a pleasure, it's an honor. It belongs to all men, all women, all girls, all boys of God. And we're called to make disciples and to nurture this world. And when we look at motherhood and fatherhood as a ministry, a calling, it becomes a trajectory of sharing the gospel, of leading others to Christ, non-biological and biological, to everyone that he puts in our way. The godly nurture is in pursuit of godly qualities. And so there are so many qualities that we can have. But I think the one thing people say when they're called to disciple, you know, disciple, the word disciple often has a negative connotation. It should not. If you think of it as a nurturer, one who cherishes, one who cares for, it changes the whole perspective. And so with that, we're called to be like Christ, to model it for those who walk you know, with us and those who we lead. There are many ways to do this, many ways to nurture. A godly nurturer, though, will first pursue the gospel, the good news of Jesus. They'll treasure the word in their hearts. I love this scripture from Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21. You shall therefore lay, upon, lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you'll bind them as a sign on your hand, and they, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house, and when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you'll write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." that your days and the days of your children will be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to their fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. In other words, you know, let the word of God permeate every aspect of our being. A godly nurturer will find and emulate contentment in the Lord. Modeling contentment. We'll be disciplined in our faith. Not legalism, because that's self-centered, but discipline, which is God-centered. We'll train others to mature spiritually. We'll love them unconditionally. We'll live a sacrificial life. We'll forgive and we'll ask for forgiveness. You know, one of the most godly things a parent can do is to apologize and admit that they're wrong 
And that's not just a parent biologically, but a parent in the Lord, a teacher, any kind of authority figure to apologize, admit mistakes. A godly nurturer will focus on the positives. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the body. A godly nurturer speaks the truth in love while still being honest. A godly nurturer creates a safe haven, a place where love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control are present. A godly nurturer will seize moments that instill biblical truths, taking everything and every opportunity to use for the good. A godly nurturer will model service to God and to others. They live who they are, a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, Ephesians 2.10. A godly nurturer will be humble and display humility. And a godly nurturer will pray a lot. Knowing that it's only through God's strength and only through his grace that we can live and breathe and have our being, but knowing that he'll never fail us, giving him credit in every situation. So to reiterate, those beautiful poetic scriptures on Isaiah in 40, chapter 49 about a mother and how God loves us that much. Let's love others the way he loves us. And let's nurture others the way he nurtures us. And let's be open to God putting people in our lives who we're called to nurture. We don't always get to lead them to Jesus in that prayer of salvation, but we have the blessing and the honor to be able to see them grow. I got saved at the same time my mom got saved. I, in my mind, I was like, I'm dedicating this to my mom. She doesn't even go online and watch it, so you know, I'll tell her that I did that, but I'm dedicating this to my sweet mama who's in Camdenton, Missouri right now. When she and I got saved, women just swarmed in and loved on her from our community. And there had been women who had been praying for her. And they came into our home. And I got to see it modeled, what it looks like for people to nurture other people. You know, it's messy. Anybody who's babysat or has had a baby, or it's messy. There's poo. There's lots of poo. And by the way, we all poo, so you know. <laughs> even, even little... Yeah, we, we, uh, we're at a sweet birthday party, a one-year-old party, and it was the, what's the word? Not the, the, hello? Unicorn, unicorn, unicorn. So the unicorn poo was the cute little mints. It was adorable, just saying. Back to my poo story. It's messy. It's messy. Discipleship is messy. Nurturing others is messy. Being the body of Christ and a family, it's messy. It's hard. 
As Lee always says, it costs more than you ever thought it would cost. It takes more time than you ever thought it would take. There's, if we knew what it would take, we probably wouldn't do it. But here's the beauty. God does it through us. So I just want to exhort us. Let's live as nurturers. Let's live as those who put others ahead of ourselves, who are not so preoccupied with ourselves that we can't see what's in front of us, what's behind us, what's around us, who is in front of us and who's in our lives. I'm going to read a last poem, and I want you to think with me. It's about mothers. I'm going to replace it with disciple, discipler, and see what you think and close on this thought. There is no love like a discipler's love, no stronger bond on earth, like the precious bond that comes from God to a discipler for their child's worth. There's no love like a disciple's love. Hearts are filled with care, with Christ as the example for their Savior's love that they share. A discipler's love is endless. It's not changing for all time. When needed for those children in the Lord, a discipler's love shines. God bless the special disciplers. God bless them, every one, for the tears and the heartaches and the special work that they've done. When days on earth are over, a discipler's love lives on through many generations, God's blessings on each one. The caring nurture of disciplers aplenty from many hearts so caring and pure, whether physical or spiritual, God's provision of a disciple is sure. Be thankful for those who disciple, who love with a higher love, from the power that God has given and the strength from God above. So I'd just like to close just in prayer and us really sincerely, authentically asking God, who have you put in my life to disciple? Now, this is a given. If you're a parent or a parent or a guardian figure, most definitely, you're not just parenting, you're discipling. You know, I love seeing these families. Sorry, Trotters, but I look at your boys who are so handsome and looking just like you guys now. But like these young men and these beautiful children who are growing not just into handsome, strapping young men and beautiful young women, but into disciples like into those who are following hard after Christ. What a high calling. What a high calling. And on this Mother's Day, and we say this every time with sincerity, ladies, you are called to be moms in the Lord. No matter. No matter. Men, you're called to be fathers in the Lord. No matter. So let's go to him and let's ask him to show us who have you put in my life to disciple, to nurture, to cherish, to hold close, to sac 
be sacrificially giving to and living for Jesus and to others. So we'll close in prayer. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you, Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> like you're the one who teaches us. You're the one who has nurtured us from those scriptures in Isaiah. You're the one who holds us close, who would never leave us, never forsake us, who puts your wall of fortitude around us, who like a father tends to us and our every need more than we can dream, think, or imagine you give to us. Would you show us each individual, each person listening to the sermon, who are we to pour into? Who are we to cherish? Who are we to nurture? Who are we to disciple? And I pray, Lord, that we would do it with joy and we'd do it leaning in and onto you, knowing that you don't call us to perfection. You call us to your holiness. We love you and we pray that you would also minister to each person who is just new in Christ, that they would know that you've got them, you're caring for them, and that they'd know it not only through you and your scripture and Holy Spirit, your presence, but through those that you've provided for them to, to model. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this all in your name. Amen.